Hi, this is Paul. Welcome to the Things I Didn't Learn in School podcast. For those of you that are newer to these conversations, the podcasts are one of three things that Still Press puts out. There's also a weekly essay that comes out on Substack. You can sign up for either the free or the paid versions on my website, paulpodolsky.com. And there's also a book, Raising a Thief, and another one that's going to join it soon, Master Minion. And if you enjoy these conversations, I think that you will enjoy the books and the essays as well. And so with that, thanks for listening, and let's get into our conversation. My guest today is Dmitry Bukov, who is so well-known inside Russia and um, a writer, a teacher, political theorist, a biographer, unbelievably talented person. So excited to have you on Things I Didn't Learn in School. Welcome. Thank you so much. All those compliments are not for me, but I'll try to deliver. Thank you. <laughs> You're a household name in Russia, but many of my listeners are in the United States and Europe and Asia, where they're not as familiar with your work. If you could just start off, give a little bit of background about who you are, and how you ended up in this place you are today. Well, ended up uh, sounds so hopelessly. I am sure that there's only one stage, one step in my long life. I'm planning to live long uh, because all my ancestors were long leaders. Um, I appeared here because Cornell invited me to be writer in residence and to teach. And maybe that is one of my best ideas, one of my best lucks in a long life, because it saved me practically. You know that escape mm. from Russia is rather complicated now. And mm. being a real prophet, as a, a prophet, as a real poet, I could predict it all. And so I ran away mm. a year before, uh, in mm. last September, where I begin to work in Cornell. And th thanks them and thanks Bart College who proposed me this. Uh, who am I? You know, this is not a simple question to answer. Uh, maybe I have right now to call myself a writer after about 85 books printed in different countries in different languages. I prefer to call myself a writer, you know, that's my way of living, my way of life, my way of thinking. I have the so-called, you know, writer's conscience, writer, writer's way of thinking, because when I think without writing, I can't feel the consequences of ideas. But when I write, uh, it's like somebody dictates me. It's maybe my only way to connect myself with my personal mind, with my own me, with myself. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. there are some people with the so-called articulative thinking, they think while they're speaking. I can say, like Nabokov, who was my neighbor here in Ithaca, I am a great thinker, a delicious writer and poor speaker. As for me, I am a poor thinker, not bad writer, but um, maybe speaking and writing is my only way to understand things, my only contact with myself. There's so many uh, topics I want to uh, uh, get into, but let's... Like it to be so interesting for somebody. <laughs> 
let's start with the biggest one. So we're speaking on the 28th of September. Just last week, Putin announced a general mobilization. Yesterday, a major gas pipe was blown up under the Baltic Sea. So if you step back and think about Russia and this long history, which you know better than anybody, how it ended this way? <laughs> how can outsiders make sense of what is going on? The country seems to have lost its way, but then so many people support Putin. So help us make sense of Putinism and what is going on in Russia today. Well, you see, being honest, country found its way at last. And maybe mm. uh, they went so last year of recent 10 months. Uh, maybe they are most logical in all Russian fate. Russia allowed herself uh, to be sincere, to be honest. Uh, you see, the main problem is that President Putin maybe is right somehow when he says that he had no exit, uh, that he was just uh, taken to the corner like a rat. Uh, he had no way to act otherwise. Uh, I can explain it. You know, like a real representative of KGB, of the secret police, he always finds simple explanations for complicated things. Mm. The complicated thing is that such an archaic country with such a vertical style of governing with such a huge and practically non-understood territory, non-explored territory. You know, there are some places in Russia where never uh, appeared a human being, and there are many such places. Non-explored, mysterious country. Even Andropov, one of Soviet leaders, also from KGB, said, we don't know and don't understand the country in which we live. Uh, such mm. a mysterious, uh, strange, non-explored, wild country with a high style of governing has only two ways of development. It may disappear because it is not um, understood in modern world. It can't be conquered in modern world and so on. Or it must transform. You know, Bertrand Russell said most of people uh, would rather die than to begin think, and 19% of them act like this, exactly. So Russia uh, would rather disappear than to begin transform, to transform. The fear, uh, the panical fear about any transformation is natural for such a conservative country. And so the only way to keep itself in this kind of governing is uh, military aggression. Mm. Because military aggression always helps people to unite uh, with the power, around the power, and to keep their conservative mind. You know, if you don't want to change, you must destroy your neighbor. That's the only way. So Putin really didn't have an exit because, you know, if he takes future, if he adapts future and tries to transform himself, that means his disappearance from the power. And he is responsible for too many mistakes and for too many crimes uh, to just to be ready 
to get away from the power, from the throne. Maybe that's the only reason, you know, like all the uh, old KGBists, like all um, Secret Service officers, he finds some personal responsibility, some personal guilt for this enemy surrounding. He doesn't understand that he's surrounded by future, and he says that he's surrounded by uh, NATO. Maybe that's the only explanation. He's always searching for uh, outer enemy. He's quite sure that all his critics, like me, for example, are bought by his political opponents. He can't, he can't believe that we can be sincere, that we can hate him. He thinks that we are bought, that we are paid for it. And you can't explain him that he is really surrounded not by outer enemies, but by future generations who demand something new. Uh, that's the reason he hates youth, for example. He's afraid of students, afraid of clever young people. Uh, he's afraid of everything which is the only hope for Russia, because his only mind is hopeless. And such a great person like him, such a male like him, can exist only when there is no real intellectuals in the power and near the power. That's the reason uh, he tries to imprison most of his critics, or merely to put him to put them into exile. I must say that exile in Russia is the kind of Nobel Prize or Pulitzer Prize, because if you are harmful and dangerous, that proves that you are a good writer. So exile is a kind of honor. I can't say I'm in exile because I'm just. Uh, on some work in Carmel, I'm invited professor and so on. I'm quite sure that I'll be back in Russia very soon. Maybe this new year will be met in the company of my friends uh, on the forbidden uh, station Echo of Moscow. I'm quite sure that we'll traditionally mm -hmm. meet each other in Moscow in the end of December. If not, maybe in the end of March. But nevertheless, uh, Putin's end will be very... Um, disappointing for the state and very crushing, very catastrophic. So you're saying that Putinism is going to end later this year or next year? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it? And what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I'm quite sure because, you know, there is such stage in the development or in suicide of the state when events begin to be like avalanche, you see, uh, avalanche-like. Mm -hmm. um, this coming down uh, could, continue, could continue for years and he had all abilities to keep himself in power for 10 years minimum. Uh, but war, as always, made the world more changeable, more plastic. And very soon, um, his 
steps which he thinks the only possible steps and maybe he's right will lead him to the dead end you know russian army is not as big as he wants no professionals this army is badly trained you know in vertical system mm -hmm. uh, everybody is afraid of the higher stage and denying hating also uh, all the um, ordinary people as they call them uh, there's the world of total hatred no cooperation no hope no intimacy uh, nobody believes each other no institutions and so on army was never trained because everything which was done for example during military training during all these training combats it was only to write a report a glamorous report about how everything is fine there's the world of total lie not only of propaganda but of total lie at any stages you know world of fear where you're never honest uh it comes to the understandable and predictable final because uh you know there's the world of non-professionals all professionals are potentially mm -hmm. dangerous and mm -hmm. i was predicting this final uh for 20 years and everybody was saying you are like just just like that boy who is screaming wolves yes i'm screaming wolves that's my duty that's my profession maybe uh but mm -hmm. i understood that the final is unavoidable and all the optimists told no he will rule as long as he wants but i could mm -hmm. see that that's just a prolonged suicide and in the end of uh 2018 as i recall I wrote that nearest two or three years would be the years of giant cataclysms. And it happened so, first of all, pandemia, uh, which also mm -hmm. managed to show to the world that Russia is unprepared for any uh, new and principally new situations. And then the war, which was predicted uh, by my humble person in my novel, Living Souls, in 2005 mm -hmm. it was quite evident this now is translated and so you can check it um the problem is that in russia uh, most of most of people who can predict future are called alarmists mm -hmm. but you know it's not alarmism it's not an anxiety it's just the strict and firm understanding of evident things you know the laws of history are so firm and dividend as, for example, the laws of physics. But physics prefer to um, deny humanitarians, to say that all humanitarians are just dreamers, uh, that they live in constant panic and so on. We humanitarians understand the laws of history much better than they, physics and mathematicians, understand the law of primitive physical world. We can predict events. Maybe only in Russia, because Russian history is cyclic, and that's the reason it's so predictable. But you can predict all practically all figures which appear. For example, like in an old play, a uh, ghost uh, enters, like in Hamlet, mm -hmm. and the ghost must enter. A uh, tyrant or fighter, uh, like Navalny, for example, enters, and he will enter. By the way, Putin himself is just slave of his historical role, historical part. 
uh, he could change something, but he didn't uh, have practical will for it. Uh, he also was ready to follow Russian history. And Russian history is like the merry-go-round. Maybe not very merry, but go-round. It repeats itself, and you can predict anything, any figures, any words. Uh, everything is, is just a, a very bad and very poor copy of Stalinism. That's the reason I could predict it and run away in time. And can you share, for those people who haven't read Living Souls, what was your thinking that was leading you to believe this capitalism? I tried to warn them, you know, I tried to convince them that it's time to do something. If you don't want to run away, you can change your own life. For example, you can find such hole, uh, hobbit's hole, uh, such a fox's hole to hide yourself. There are many uh, places in Russia where nobody can find you, even police. And by the way, I had such places in Russia, in fact, Siberia, because my uh, second wife is from Siberia and she has two homes there. I was ready to hide myself there, but uh, I was saved by Colonel. Nobody wanted to listen. You know uh, that uh, really I had many readers in Russia and maybe they even loved me, but they loved me just for entertainment. Mm. They didn't want to understand my uh, very clear predictions and very clear advices, kind advices, practically for free. With the war now, Russia is really splitting. There's a, an enormous amount of people who are fleeing and some who have tried to protest. And then polls show that a large percentage of the country also supports the war. I've even seen this in my own family, that my wife, who's also Siberian, um, hates the war. And her mother, my mother-in-law in Moscow, is a firm supporter of the war. So for Russians who are finding this unbelievably depressing, what do they look to for support? If they try to protest, they're arrested or even killed. Obviously, Putin tried to murder you. What's your counsel for those people who are looking for support within Russia? You know, uh, the question what to do now is just like from that old Russian anecdote when the professor looks in the hospital uh, for some very ill, very tired persons, and the doctor asks, Professor, what to do? You can do slides, answers him. Uh, slides, photos, that's the only thing. You can be the evident of the final stages of Russian state. You have to do nothing now. It's late to do something. Uh, as the Russians say, it's um, it's late to, uh, too late to go to medicine, to go to pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Too late. So uh, you should do something earlier. And there were some versions. But I think you are too pessimistic about the firm supporters. There is no support. There is the huge inertia. Mm -hmm. In Russia, maybe the structure of society is very traditional, very archaic, and also very well-known, well-studied. Mm -hmm. You have about 5% of firm supporters of government. Mm -hmm. You have 5% of strong opposition, strong, convinced, ready to act, organized, and so on. 
And you have about 90% of people who are waiting for changes and ready for any changes. You know, those changes are very quick. You said your mother-in-law is Putin's firm supporter. Try me not to believe you because all this firm support is only for a week. Then, if, for example, TV politics will change, if TV politics changes, we see the radical change of their mind. If TV changes its slogans, uh, it happens like under Stalin and like after Stalin. That's you know that uh, in two years after his death, all his monuments were exploded. And very few people could resist it, like Konstantin Simonov, for example, for example, who said, um, character prosit pinuć proch i strochit ime Stalina, no on ne možet prevazmoć što v srce ima stavljeno. The character or the editor demands um, to take away from my book Stalin's name, but how to take it away from my heart? Rather simple. Uh, you know, uh, firm Stalinists were about maybe, especially after all the political sensations, well, all the Stalin's mysteries were enlightened in press, uh, maybe two or three percent of population kept uh, any belief in Stalin. Most of them uh, hated him very soon. I remember, for example, the 80s. I remember the time of Perestroika. Mm. Most of people believed in communism or believed, in, for example, his national exclusiveness of Russia or of Soviets, uh, believed in possibility, maybe they were right, in possibility of some um, slow changes and so on. Uh, but it happened so that a complicated combination which was staying on the chessboard was destructed in two mm -hmm. months practically. It was enough to publish Gumilov and after it, you know, the April of 1986, it happened only because Ms. Maximovna Gorbachev's wife was very fond of Gumilov's poetry. She was an advanced reader and she knew forbidden poetry, and she asked to publish Gumilov. It was enough to break all the wall with all its mm. bricks. And so in Russia, it happens in two days. I remember very well, Moscow mayor, uh, Yuri Lushko, had about 85% of support, <laughs> which is also normal. And the day after his retire, retire it happened to be 8%. Two days changed his fate, and nobody cried for him. Don't cry for me, Argentina, you say. It happened in a moment. So don't think that there are firm supporters. There are people who are afraid to mm. think. Uh, it's very quick. Uh, by the way, now, the only advantage of this time is that everything happens very quickly. Mm. I remember very well I asked Slavoj Žižek what is the difference between totalitarianism and fascism. He said, fascism is quicker. <laughs> Won't be tortured for a long time. It happens in a year. Totalitarianism can survive like in North Korea uh, for decades. But uh, in Russia, you know, we, we have got a true fascism or Russism, as it's called. And maybe it gives us half a year to look at the full crush. And maybe... Uh, it's very pleasant, not very pleasant, it's very sad, uh, but there is a kind of sinful pleasure to look 
and the crash of this rotten, stinky system, like uh, looking at hurricane from uh, any safe shelter. But I'm sure that being there, I would be even happier because it's a great happiness to see the crash of prison, although it smells. Are you worried that this next phase, this abrupt change, will be violent in a way that extinguishes uh, more life and possibly replaced by something that's even scarier? Or are you optimistic for a turn to something more human? Well, you see, um, both versions are true. Uh, I was really worried about Russian's, Russian future because now fascism is not organic. It doesn't come from below, from the so-called people. Uh, it is somehow inducted, indoctrinated. They are convinced. That's a result of propaganda, of TV and so on. But if they come to it by their own way, like, for example, to German fascism in the 30s, after the national humiliation of 20s. We have such danger. But first of all, we'll get the giant thaw, the period of freedom of clean, cold, and pure air, which is so pleasant to breathe. Such a pleasure to breathe. It will happen very soon. I don't know how long it will be. You know, I had such a conviction that maybe after Putin will get to true fascism and Putin was something like Gindon, mm -hmm. uh, Hitler's predecessor. But now I see that Putin decided to head this process uh, and maybe we'll get the real juicy, stinky fascism under him. And so, uh, normal, uh, I remember very well my, Michael Khodorkovsky, who is also a very good predictor who has was brilliant intuition, so necessary in business and trained by business. He said after Putin there would be a short period of somebody worse than Putin, and then only then will get norm, normal Russia. I'm sure that the person who is much worse than Putin is the same Putin, but a real insanity uh, and. It's very difficult to be worse than him, himself after February. I think he will go this way with the country and bless him for it, because after him we'll get normal Russia very soon, because everybody is so tired. Not on him, even his supporters, like Margot Simonian, for example, who is since Russian, uh, they uh, say that... Um, they are tired of lying, of torturing. Um, you know, Tertullian said, soul is Christian, according to its nature, it's Christian. It's very difficult to human soul always uh, to live uh, in the country of executions mm. uh, and so on, and suppressions, repressions, and so on. Uh, it works on short distance, but in long distances, you need something humane. Because people not only like, people love to be better. Mm. They hate themselves for all those crimes. And even Putin's supporters mm -hmm. now understand that they crushed their only life. Mm -hmm. Maybe very soon it will become a conviction. And maybe Putin's experience is necessary for Russia 
to make our slogan never again, never more. Like Trump said, make America great again. Never greatness again, only humanity. Maybe this, maybe this experience is really priceless. Do you think that part of Russia's healing needs to be a truth commission, not only about Putinism, but also about Stalinism and about the ripple of all of this murder and death in a society over so many generations? Well, that's just the same. There is no Putinism or Stalinism or, for example, uh, Ivan Grossism and so on. This is just the same situation. The idea of national exclusiveness, uh, the naive belief that physical, moral, and historical laws don't work on this uh, territory. You know, um, most of all in my life, I hate those romantic convictions that only irrationalism is truly humane and piety. Only what? Sorry, I misheard you. Irration, irrationalism. Mm -hmm. I'm a very rational person. I believe in human mind, mm -hmm. uh, in Razzo. And I hate those who say, you can't understand it, I can't explain it, it's unexplainable, it's something for your heart. Right. Heart is just a muscle. It has, it has no brains. And so I believe only in brain, in rational reasons. By the way, God and religion is maybe the most rational idea. Mm -hmm. That's the reason I am an old God believer with a good experience of God believing of Teodice and so on. Uh, I hate those people who say, uh, you are not Russian, and that's the reason you can't understand it. You remember this Mikhailkov's movie, uh, he is Russian and it explains everything. Mm -hmm. It explains nothing. Mm -hmm. I remember my interview with Arhan Pamuk, uh, Nobel Prize winner, and I said, do you think there is some special Turkish character? He says, uh, the idea itself that there is some special national character character is the first step to fashion. No special Turkey love, no special Turkey humanity, and so on. Uh, people are people. And that's the reason um, the idea of national exclusiveness was always the main consolation for Russian population um, who understood, maybe, that they are not uh, real... Um, full-blood members of Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, that they had missed many, many uh, three centuries. Mm. Uh, now they don't have time uh, to be quick enough to, to participate in this race. This is race only for second place. Yeah? And really, that's very, uh, very unpleasant. But you see, for example, Russian literature managed uh, somehow during one century uh, to go a way which took in Europe about five centuries from right. from classical drama to absurdist drama of Chekhov, for example, for, uh, from right. uh, classicism like Krylov's uh, fables uh, to modern poetry like Bloch and so on. Uh, Russian literature uh, managed to do this. Russian chemistry, for example, managed to do it, thank you, Mendeleev and so on. Uh, Russian physics managed to do this and well, made the first rocket. I know it was with military aims, but nevertheless, the first one is cosmos was ours. Sometimes we can 
win the race only when we don't prevent our people to realize its real abilities. I'm quite sure that Russian people are really talented and really uh, able to do anything more than this. Uh, Russia is not very good in some routine affairs, like, for example, working every day or cleaning the flat and so on. But if you need to do something extraordinary, one of our famous chess players, Jay Latier, a French trainer of Kasparov, who lives in Russia now, said, if you need to solve a complicated, uh, uh, really um, difficult task, call Chinese. But if you need to do something impossible, call Russians. That's the reason that Russians are ready for something extraordinary. And I'm quite sure Russia will give great surprises to the world, not such horrifying surprises like Catholic for Ukraine. Uh, but we need to understand that we, we should work hard. Now we, we have lost 50 best years when we had good oil uh, coasts. And now maybe we have to work hard when our oil maybe is good only for us, for only for national pride, not for commerce. Is the challenge that while it has this remarkable, creative, leading uh, development in literature and in science, that the political culture is for some reasons stuck more in the Middle Ages? And why is that? Well, you see, Russia is really the country of great challenges because in Russia, maybe there's also some belief in national exclusiveness, but, you know, when you live in such big and cold country, you have to get strong motivation. Even to open eyes in the morning, even to go away from the warm blanket, from the soft pillow, you have to get a strong motivation. Um, living in Russia is an interesting challenge. Uh, and without this challenge, you can't do anything. You must believe that your fate is extraordinary, that your abilities are extraordinary. You have, uh, um, you have to remove to our time giant obstacles. Uh, you can't be a traditional Philistine. You have to fight, to struggle, because struggle for life is normal for such a cold country. Uh, as Sasha Chorney said, our winter, which longs nine months, some sour berries instead of pineapples. Yeah, really. Uh, I must say that Russia, Russian climate, Russian history, Russian space, is not for weak people, uh, and that's a challenge. So to support Putin, uh, you shouldn't uh, work hard. It's very simple to be agreed with everything. Uh, Putin is not for Russians, because Russians love to create, to change world, to do something. Putin's time was a time of winter sleeping over the bear. The bear was sleeping, dying, of starvation and cold, and couldn't change anything because all changes were dangerous. Uh, after Putin, we'll get and we'll see real Russia. Can you describe how you actually work? Because you have an unbelievably prolific output 
and this isn't directly related to Russia, but I have spoken with a number of writers, musicians, and to talk a little bit about their process is is interesting. These these books, are you somebody who can write a, a first draft? Are you somebody who needs to do a lot of revision, like Tolstoy? What is your, uh, do you have a practice or you just write when it comes to you? How, how, how have you produced this unbelievable series of works? Well, uh, I must say that my work is not prolific at all. If to compare, for example, with Stevenson or with Stephen King, you know, Stephen King has a crisis, two weeks without new book. You know that uh, most of great writers will work in March. For example, now on my table, there is the complete verses of Kipling, the giant book about a thousand pages. I'm just translating something in Russian. And um, the recent novel of King, whom I am happy to, happy to congratulate him uh, with his 75 anniversary, and he works like a young mm-hmm. person. Uh, the last novel fairy tale is so talented and so sad, so little. Uh, in comparison with Tolstoy, I understand that this comparison is too flatter for me, but you see, if you want to be giant, you should compare yourself with giants. Uh, Tolstoy, with his 90 volumes of very good novels and very interesting letters and great lectures and so on, uh, in this comparison, I'm really very poor. But my only recital is uh, not to do anything else. I never did anything except work. Uh, maybe sometimes, sure, I have romances, romantic relationships. Uh, I have some children, one adopted daughter and two sons. Uh, maybe more, but I, I, I'm, I'm practically sure that not. Uh, I had some love affairs. But I never drank. There was no interest for me. Never used drugs. I traveled much uh, because that was my work. I was a journalist, used to be a journalist. Uh, But I understood very quickly, being honest with you, uh, maybe you needn't it, but Russians are very honest in their night talks. Uh, Obsessively honest, I should say. Uh, burdenly honest, but uh, you see, very early, being maybe 24 or 25, I understood that in human relationship, I'm selfish, eccentric, um, maybe dangerous, maybe um, I'm not such a good man as I would like mm. to seem. I understood very quickly. Uh, that if I give some more time to human relationships, uh, I will destroy many lives and myself also. That's the reason I practically stopped doing anything except work. Mm. I was working really much because I understood that that's the only things which can lead you to any results. Mm. Love goes away and usually it is somehow transformed into hatred, because you know, you can't forget your love. Love can disappear, but it can be transformed. And usual transformation, like for example, wine is transformed into vinegar. 
Uh, usual transformation is the way from love to hatred. I had such mm. experience. Um, I had uh, some uh, long friendships, which also were not, not finished, but uh, somehow uh, the problem is that in human relationships, you never, you never can stop anything. That's the reason. Life goes very quickly, like a sand between fingers. And this horrifying feeling of quick disappearance of life, mm. that's something unbearable for me. I'd like, like a true conservator, I'd like to conservate it somehow, to keep it somehow. Maybe writing verses and prose is my only way to do something. By the way, most writers, for example, if they're offered such a choice to have uh, brilliant sex or to have, for example, mm. a night of good writing, they would prefer the night of good writing. Maybe that's a kind of madness. Mm. Uh, only now, in my third marriage, where I find a real harmony in love, um, maybe I would prefer night of love. Because, you know, um, love, is more and more, love is more and more pleasant, and writing is more and more <laughs> difficult. You know, you know, it's really difficult to write at 55, because, um, you know, you are more critical. You understand much better your own level. In my early life, I was so excited by my writings. I was quotating them, reading my verse uh, to my friends and so on, just calling on the phone, uh, giving the phone calls to anybody, just having you a uh, fresh finished poem was read to all the friends, uh, just recited with great astonishment and so on. Now I try to hide it because I am ashamed and you, I, I try not to reread my new books. Uh, and so uh, Pasternak wrote about this, that um, an adult, a real master, is always ashamed. Is obstinate mm. uh, uh, the period of uh, the period of self uh, curiosity, I should say, self interest. This period disappeared, and now I should prefer the night of love. And now uh, you know maybe um, it's even more attractive because our son is always very attentive, and we will just start to do something. He begins to scream. Maybe that's a kind of jealousy. Maybe he doesn't want to have a brother or sister, but he tries to stop it. So it it is also a challenge now. Uh, you know, um, what just do I, I'll, I'll give you this formula. Uh, in childhood, you're afraid that parents will come. And in my years, you're afraid that children will come. <laughs> Uh, I was always uh, waiting for a weekend because parents would go to the so-called dacha, to the village, and I will get the room in my um, uh, full pleasure to, to invite the girl and so on, you know, to spend night with her. Uh, and now I'm waiting for time when child will go to the kindergarten. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> there's some, <laughs> some uh, strange... I can't say that's the final of my life, but that's the strange stage of it, sure. 
By the way, uh, it's really very interesting to talk to your children. Uh, uh, being not Putin, I'm not afraid of you. Mm. I love to talk to students, to children and so on. And I see that they're better than me. Mm. I'm not sure in my writer's work, but my children are okay. Mm. You remember Leslie Jackson wrote, I write good novels and make good children. Children are better. What type of household did you grow up in, Dimitri? Were mom and dad as literary as you are? Or was this some gift that it just developed on its own? I don't remember my father. Uh, they divorced when I was three. Mm. He tried to see me, but mother disliked it. And I never saw him. Uh, my mother was a teacher. And my home is Masfilmovsky Street in Moscow, maybe the most green, the greenest and the most pleasant part of Moscow. I miss it. But, you know, my real home was my room in the editorial office of our magazine, Sibisiedit. Uh -huh. I spent there days and nights. It was my favorite place in the world. You know, it was such a newspaper. It was like a mm. family. Our editor was like my, like my real mm. father. I loved him. And even now, we're exchanging letters very often. Uh, he's 10 years old. He was something between the elder brother and father. Uh, he was our common father, like our dean in the Faculty of Journalism in Moscow University, Eisenhower. Uh, it was really parenthood. And our family in Sibisiedic. Yes, we had quarrels, we had problems, but there was a great collective work. It was just like an orchestra. Everybody had its own part. And, you know, uh, we lived in a very narrow flat in Moscow, a very small one, uh, only two rooms for four people. Uh, and in Sibisiedic, I had my own room that was important because I was the so-called special correspondent, a columnist, writer, then editor-in-chief. And there, I, by the way, I could meet with girls sometimes even there. You know, it was a pleasant room. And the view from my window, uh, those inner garden, uh, those green maples. It was an old constructivist house of 30s. Novoslobodsky, one of the best streets in Moscow. I loved it so much. I spent there so much time. And I feel no laments about it, no um, no sorrow about it. I could waste it for something better. Maybe for writing prose or poetry or something. But my journalism was also a kind of creative writing. And it's collected in 10 books. Uh, and maybe, you know, sometimes it's a good chance to change your manner. Uh, you can't write great prose all day long. Sometimes you should write columns or uh, essays or even reports. That was a happy time. Uh, 30 years, 30 years spent in Sibisidnik until it was closed. Um, it isn't closed even now, but reduced and something like most of people are in exile and so on they crushed the great newspaper you know they crushed everything because they can't do nothing by themselves and all those professionals who could do things 
I now get away, uh, got away from the country. That's real problem. Uh, I feel such sorrow when I think about my second home, about my editorial office. You see, um, I miss my flat, sure, my mother's flat and so on. But I change home very simply because I'm a journalist. And in any hotel, I must create working uh, circumstances, working room. Uh, but Sebesednik was my real home. I remember every room, every person who worked there. Uh, we were a family. And maybe, you know, um, that's my idea, that when you have no religion in country, you must have merely professionalism. We were professionals. In that environment, that work you were creating, it was threatening enough to Putin that he tried to have his people kill you. How did that experience change the way you saw the world? You mean the experience of this attempt to poison me? Yeah. Well, you see, um, in my case, my hatred for any romantic ideas uh, is also typical for me because there was nothing romantic in this situation. I wasn't killed. Um, I appeared to be healthy, really very healthy, even better than before in a week. There were some doctors who were trying to heal me, um, explored me, by the way. You, you know, I never went to hospital. I never went only to, even to clinic because, you know, I... I hate all this healing and all this care about healthy life. I never had time for it, especially for sports. Um, and after uh, this attempt of poisoning, they said, we can't tell to the press uh, what was it, because we have no proofs now. But you must know that you were poisoned. Uh, this poison was very specific. Uh, it could be got only by special services. Uh, we can't tell it to the press, but we can uh, listen for all the lemons for your health. And being a very good hospital, we can care of it. I have three lemons. I was becoming bold. And it was a reason for anxiety. They stopped it. I had the pain in right knee without any reasons. Uh, they took it away. Now you can jump anyhow. Um, and I had not very high, but high blood pressure. Uh, they made it just like cosmonauts have, very small. And now, you know, I was always hot. I was, I was always feeling so warm and so creative, so quick. And after those problems, when these problems passed away, I'm always cold, very calm. Um, no anxiety, no ideas, no this brainstorming. Uh, I'm just an ordinary man. And I was maybe like a volcano. Now I'm not, but they say it's better uh, for my brains. Maybe so. Now I'm practically healthy. It's so boring. 
I knew John Nash uh, a bit in Princeton. He said, when I was thought to be mad, I was genius, and now I'm just a Philistine. Something like this. Do you think that the West made a mistake in trying to connect with Russia economically? The thought was if people like Putin were tied into the global economy, that they wouldn't be as aggressive. And this thought turned out to be completely false. Well, they had no choice. What can you do except economical attempts? about economical sanctions. You know, when you see extraterrestrial, uh, when you see some alien, what can you do with it? Only explore, only watch, only give him some gifts and so on, but you can't understand his brains, uh, his way of thinking and so on. Uh, people are understandable even for each other. And such a person like Putin, who spent 20 years in, on Moscow throne, uh, he's an understandable for such persons like Macron. Macron is so normal yes. in comparison. Yeah, so boring, down, normal, um, so traditional. Micron in comparison with Putin. I'm, I'm, I respect him very much and his attempts to tell to him maybe kind of addiction because he can't survive the absence of those long talks. It was so curious for him to watch such a rare animal, such a rare iris. Uh, but nevertheless, I think there were no other means. How can you stop a maniac to talk to him, to sing a song for him, uh, maybe to play a game with him? But generally, um, you have a very narrow arsenal, a very uh, narrow uh, means to stop the maniacal person who is sure that he is surrounded by enemies. What can you do with insane? I think that uh, not sanctions are really significant, but only military and economical support for Ukraine. That's the best thing they can do. The podcast is called Things I Didn't Learn in School. I ask all the guests, what are the biggest lessons that they learned just in the course of their life by experiencing life? So do you have any that you'd share? Well, that's an important thing. I can say something. You know, this lesson, like most of lessons in your life, can be understood only by your own experience. But maybe there would be some persons who will trust me. Don't believe anybody. Most of people uh, desire only your harm, only your lose. They don't want to see a winner. Don't believe anybody. Believe only to yourself. If you think that you are right, don't believe the collective. Uh, don't try to change after the pressure, under the pressure. Because when you die, be sure you will. When you die, you'll be lonely. And you'll be the only responsible person the only person responsible uh, for your life. Nobody will sh share it with you. And nobody can compensate all those attempts to be like other people. Don't try to be like others. You know, 
most of advices I've got in my life were harmful. Most of my friends wanted to see me a loser because they were embarrassed. Not embarrassed to my talent or something, but any friend is embarrassed. That's normal. Uh, you know, um, nobody wants you to be successful. Maybe wife, maybe children, maybe mother. Mother is proud of you always. By the way, um, try not to argue with mothers, generally with parents. Try not to argue with them because, you know, sometimes they don't understand you. Really, they don't understand. Like, for example, I can't understand very often my elder son, who's 24, and who's much more talented than I am. He's a great actor. Uh, sometimes I don't understand him, but I love him. Uh, try to evaluate it. Uh, those who misunderstand you nevertheless loves you and try to um, be thankful for this love. Even when it is awkward, even when their intrusion into your life are funny, but try to be thankful to be grateful even for it. I was always grateful and we had no conflicts with my mom. Um, only sometimes discussing my teaching methods, she said that it's a pure populism and I don't have um, any professional method because she was a professional teacher and I'm just a self-addict, self-teacher, self-taught, self-made man. Um, maybe and the only thing which is important is your ability to keep yourself. One of my greatest teachers who never gave me bad advices, Maria Rosanova, bless her, she's 92 now, she said, there are only two qualities which are necessary and enough for a good person. Because we don't know what is good person. We, don't, we can't explain the, wor the, world, the word kind. Who is kind? The kind woman sleeps with everybody who desires her. No, that's kind of, is too simple. Uh, we can't say uh, what is clever, because cleverness is not an erudition, for example, not knowledge. Uh, but we know two conditions which are necessary and enough for a good person. The first one, never follow the majority. Uh, try to resist the majority. Never join the group of 100 people who are beating one. They are always wrong. That's mm. the first condition. And the second, try not to respect yourself for it too much. That's a that's a profound lesson. Thank you. That actually echoes something. That... One, one last question then. You're working on a book on Zelensky now, is my understanding. Yes. He seems, well, he, he seems like an unbelievably heroic character transformation. What's your, have you spent time with him? What's your perspective on him? Two explanations. I can retell the book, it's not very long. The first point, Zelensky is a politician of new type because the new politician shouldn't be an economist or, for example, a specialist in intrigues and so on. He must create the narration for the country. He must create the story. He must be a showman, an actor, a writer like Aristovich. 
he must create the plot, the fabula of existence. Professionals will think about economy, about military service, you know, Zelensky never intrudes into it. The first point is creative narration. By the way, in this case, Trump is very typical, and Zelensky told him in the famous uh, talk on 25th of July in 2019, when they were discussing some Biden's son's business, he said, yes, we followed you, we used some of your ideas in our electoral company. Yes, the two actors, they understood each other. Uh, Biden is professional, is professional policy. That's maybe the um, policy of last century, not this one. And the second point, actor is the only person who can believe he is a hero and who can play the hero. That's the from a famous movie, the masterpiece of Italian neorealism, General Del Rovere, General Del Rovere, a person who believed he is a heroic, uh, a hero from underground and was killed for it. Nevertheless, he was just a, a usual usual adventurist. adventurist. Um, Zelensky believed he's a hero, and he became a hero. More than this, the actor in modern world is the only person who believes in his own words, because otherwise he will play badly. The reason that Zelensky didn't run away in the first day of the war was explained by one of best Ukrainian writers. I won't name him because maybe it's dangerous to him. There is no actor who can leave such a stage, who can run from such a stage. All the spectators mm-hmm. of the world are looking at him and yeah. he can't disappear in this moment. That's great. That was the great idea, the great choice of nation to take an actor. I think the next choice is writer, as the, not me, sure, but Aristovich. That's the reason I hope that our profession will be demanded very soon. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're genuinely touched by all the support. If you want to see more of this type of content, sign up to my Substack on paulpodolsky.com and become a paid subscriber that helps support the team. Uh, you could also submit a review to Apple Podcasts, which draws other listeners to this. If you have any questions, you can email me, paul at paulpodolsky.com and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Thanks so much. Today's podcast was produced and edited by Dave Manahan.